like clockwork. L to the A, N to the T. You better believe it. A to the T. You better believe it. A, N to the T. You better believe it. Date of birth 69. Never thought I'd see myself. Welcome to episode six of Bird Bros. Thanks for checking us out, whether it be through iTunes, SoundCloud, or anywhere else. Thank you for listening to us. I'm Ron Brown, and along with me, I have three of my other bird bros tonight, and that's Trent. What up? Cadis and AV. Yo, yo. What up, bros? What's up? What up, what up? So, hey, another dub this week, 5-0. and Now we're against Washington this past Sunday. Not the prettiest of wins. None of our wins have been too pretty this year. Maybe one or two of them, but this one was just uh, ugly. We won in overtime, 25-19. to 19. Matt Ryan threw a couple picks. Once again, Devontae Freeman showed out with 153 yards on the ground. Trent, I know you've been hard to please this year as a fan. Uh, you've been more the, the the toughest critic out of all of us. <laughs> Give me your thoughts on the game. Man. And these type of games are the reason why I, you know, I stayed that fair weather. And this, these are um, this type of game was the reason why I'm always like second guess and everything. But I'll preface it by saying, uh, ugly win is, of course, is better than a pretty loss. So that's the good thing about it. We're still undefeated. We're still five and zero. However, it was a horrendous showing by all units in my, in my like to in, to my knowledge. I felt like the offensive line. Like they gave us a reality check. I mean, we uh, we talked about Matt Ryan just like every now and then he has these couple of games where he just looks terrible. But I have to give a lot of that to the offensive line, which we gave up three sacks and uh, Ryan was hurried a lot. So yeah, I mean that added to the terrible game by Matt Ryan. So I feel like our offensive line we um it was a reality check basically we went back to the previous offensive lines in these uh, previous years. Also, um, Kirk Cousins, like, Kirk Cousins outplays Matt Ryan. I that I can't understand that to this day. Like, that's terrible. That's terrible on Matt Ryan, of course, but I feel like that's also terrible on our um, our defense. Our run defense was actually uh, great because the Redskins have the uh, number one rushing attack in the league, but I feel like Kirk, like, we allowed Kirk Cousins to actually look like a quarterback. Yeah, Robert Alfred had those two interceptions that were uh, perfectly timed, but he he was getting torched for the most part by Jamison Crowder. Um, and those interceptions were more of just being in a perfect place. I mean, that last interception that we actually uh, he actually scored to win the to win the game. Kirk Cousins was pressured by our, our defensive line, and I mean anybody could have caught that interception. So I just feel like for the most part, our pass defense, which has been terrible for the most part this year, they look bad against Kirk Cousins. They were actually just in the perfect place at the, um, I guess at the, at the most opportune time. And lastly, um, Money Matt. Oh, my God. You can't tell me that we don't lose that game just with uh, Matt Bryan missing two field goals. Like it's a, like I said, I, for me, I found a lot of just points where it was like, oh, my God, it was, it was bad. But I'll just harp on those for the uh, for the most part. Yeah, I remember. I think I tweeted on the Burn Brothers account. Uh, you know, Kate's favorite player missed Mr. Mr. Field goal his first of the year, and he ended up missing two, which is like, yo, we just think this is automatic. <laughs> this is like the old extra point for yeah. any field goal of any length for Matt Bryant, but he missed two of them. Now, Kate is 
Trent talked about some of the positives. Of course, our run defense, we held them to 51 yards rushing. And then he talked about the negatives, which was the O-line didn't really hold up that well. Matt made some bad decisions as well. What did you see out there that maybe needs improvement going into this uh, New Orleans game and also what were some positives you saw? Well, um, some things that uh, I'll, I'll start with the positives. I mean, our run defense, we came up against the number one rushing team in the league up to this point and held them 51 yards total. They had as many penalty yards against them as they had rushing yards for them. Um, so that's really was a was a dominant performance. Our defense, our run defense is number one in the league. And if you take out the uh, first drive or two from the Cowboys game, our lead would like double from what it already is. So for us to have, um, you know, that big of a of a hyperbole happen in a game, but still be ranked number one and show it by going up against the number one rushing offense and shutting them down um, is definitely a positive. In addition, you know, um, Matt had a terrible game, but Trent, you know, you saying Kirk Cousins outplayed him. Matt threw for 254 yards compared to Cousins 219. So, you know, you talk about the pass defense, uh, but we held him to only 219 yards, and he had two interceptions just like Matt did. Um, when you talk about Alfred, both of those interceptions were great plays. We, we see every game – uh, where a cornerback shoulda, woulda, coulda had the interception, the ball hit him dead in the middle of his chest and he dropped it. You say anybody can make that play, but true playmakers make those plays, and that's why we forget about the dropped interceptions that every quarterback throws a game. Um, the first one uh, was a was a sort of a fluky play with Garcon popping the ball up, but for Alford to be cognizant enough to grab it, and secure it uh, on the interception. You got to give them props for, as well as uh, on that last play that the uh, the prophet AV predicted with that. <laughs> he read that play the entire way through, and not only did he read the play, he made the play. He stayed in bounds because if you watch, his momentum was carrying him out of bounds. He had to come to a complete stop on the sidelines to not go out of bounds, um, to not only secure the interception, make sure he had both feet down for it as well as take it to the house. So, I, I mean, I don't see how you can try to knock a dude for making, like, two excellent plays and say anybody could have made them when we really went out there and did our thing. The defense, you say it looks terrible, but when you only you allow less than 300 yards in the day's NFL against anybody in the league, you got to consider that. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Matt has these games, uh, like Trent said, that, he just screws up. I don't know what happens, but he gets out of rhythm. He gets out of sync, and things go uh, haywire. So we had a couple things come up in this game that people might not have realized. But me watching, we ran a lot of different plays um, in different formations than we had two up in this point in the season. Um, but this was the first game where we had both of our running backs relatively healthy. Coleman. Uh, you know, started the year and Freeman was hurt and then Freeman came in when Coleman was hurt. So we had both of them in the game trying to get them both in the offense. So we were running like full house plays. I don't know if y'all remember the old uh, uh, Mike Vick Falcons back on like Madden 05 or whatnot, but we had like the full house formation. We were actually running that in the game with both running backs and DeMarco in the backfield. We were doing a lot of crazy stuff. In addition to that, Person got injured, uh, our starting center, and uh, James Stone had to come in off the bench, so the snap timing was off. 
So when you have little things like that, they're very minute, but for a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who's so cerebral and so exact in his motions, having little things like that throw him off, pull him off big time. But at the end of the day, that last drive, I had zero doubts that we were going to go down the field and score. Even after the uh, refs tried to take the touchdown away from us, I still knew we had it because at the end of the day, Matt's going to make the plays when the game's on the line. Yeah, that, that was definitely two big plays. Uh, at the end, well, you know, I've always noticed the past couple of years, even though we we didn't do good things on offense, our play calling was iffy. When we ran a two-minute offense, even if it was with nine minutes left in the quarter, I mean, we were precise. So Matt Ryan, like you said, like Kata said, was just on point that last drive. And don't forget, there were two plays that we had to make. We had to get the fourth down after they called the touchdown back. We had to get the fourth down, which Roddy caught, and then we had to score. Uh, we mentioned Robert Alford's game-winning touchdown. I mean, you got, all you asked for is your defense to be opportunistic. And, A.V., you called it. What do you think about the opportunistic defense and, in particular, Alford, who had a tough tough day but came up big? And I remember Marquand Manuel, our DB coach, was getting into him after he gave up the touchdown. And, you know, sometimes you just got to forget about it. It's like a pitcher giving up a home run. You just got to give it up, get it out your mind, or a quarterback throwing a pick. It's over. Get back on the field. So what do you think about Alford? I mean, I, I think Alford maybe had his best day as a pro. If you look at what he was able to do with the two picks, of course, the game winner. Um, but even, like you said, coming back from that interception, because that they, not the interception, but the pass interference, that was a big play in that game uh, for the Redskins to be able to go down the field. They weren't moving the ball on our defense at all. You talk about total yards. They only had 270 total yards of offense. They were only 4 of 12 on third down throughout the game. So they struggled. 19 total points in the game that goes to overtime. They struggled. They needed that play to get them back in the game. You could see on the sidelines, you know, Alford was upset. He was mad. And I think a year ago, he would have been completely out of his game. But you've seen the progression from week one to week two to now here we are going into week six and week seven, where he's been able to not only focus, but get back in the game and still make productive plays. So uh, he, he definitely gets the game ball um, from my perspective. Him and Devontae share that. But um, defense kept us in it. He was a big part of that. So uh, got to give him a lot of credit. Um, as far as the game, it was a weird game. Um, we came out not really being able to do a whole lot. Redskins got a touchdown early. You know, Matt Bryant was off. Obviously, Matt Ryan was off. Um, we just could never really get a good flow. I mean, outside of the running game and Devontae, you know, doing his thing, um, you know, number two rusher in the league. Outside of him, it just was off. Julio dropping balls, that's not like him. You know, Jacob Tammy getting 10 catches. I mean, it just was a weird game. You know, Roddy getting some catches late in the game, some big catches. So it was just kind of a, a weird vibe to how the game played out. But uh, like Kata said, I really felt, um, you know, very confident once we got that ball late in the game, we'd have a chance to go and score. And, um, you know, that's what they did. So I, I think the mark of a good team, and this team is a good team. There's no doubt about that now. This is a team that they're going to be able to fight. They're going to fight to the very end. Um, and I don't remember the last time I've seen a Falcons team that could do that and could legitimately say fourth quarter, we're coming to win the game no matter what's going on. So um, I think it was a good game for them to get that kind of experience of not playing your best, but still being able to pull it out and get the win. So um, not a pretty game. Definitely don't want to catch the replay <laughs> of this game, but I think they definitely proved that they can still play uh, when they're at their best and also when they're at their worst. Right, right. And despite detractors around the league, you know, I'm, I'm sure y'all gotten texts and people talking trash about the Falcons saying, well, y'all can't win 
later in the season. But I mean, these are these are stepping stone type games where you see great teams find a way to get get a W and just gritty wins when you got to come back and run the two minute drill and get a touchdown and be opportunistic and get a pick six to win the game. I think this is these are makings of a good team. We've seen this in the past where our last two uh, NFC championship teams or who teams that have competed in the championship game had season like this, seasons like this where we just had to find a way to win and wasn't always pretty. Uh, so uh, this is definitely a good stepping stone, and hopefully we can continue on and we can go into the playoffs, and hopefully we'll have that ring at the end of the year and shut up all the haters. So any uh, any final thoughts on the game from any of you all? I think just to kind of piggyback off that last note, I mean, that last comment you made, I think um, it definitely is the type of game that's going to build character for the team. I mean, I think we already saw that in the first four weeks, but I think they're really going to be able to kind of ride that wave. But, hey, we had our worst game in a lot of ways, but we still were able to find a way to pull it out. So that's what great teams do. You know, the last couple of years, you know, 10 wins over two seasons, the Falcons found a way to lose this type of game every time but they were able to make something different happen um, just with a whole different approach and a different energy and an attacking attitude from the offense and the defense. So I still give them a lot of credit, even though it wasn't a pretty game. Likewise, I got to give them the credit as well um, for pulling it out uh, when you have a, a ugly game like that. Like you said, we were able to turn that around. That's something that got us a lot of wins in the past. Um, you know, we were able to go – I believe seven and two in ten in our games decided by seven or less in 2012, and then we were three and ten in those games in 2013. So it's like that those close games that's really been a, a mark of our team, you know, over the years. Uh, but one thing um, I have seen because a lot of people talk about our schedule and you know we haven't beaten anybody and when relation to the other undefeated teams in the league, we've played the second hardest schedule. Um, only the Packers uh, have a, opponents have a better record than ours. The Packers uh, teams they've played have been nine and seven in games they didn't play the Packers, whereas we uh, our opponents have been ten and ten. Everybody else, the the Patriots, the Bengals, uh, the Broncos, and the Panthers all have played an easier schedule than we have up to this point. Uh, so you know the media is going to spin it and slant it the way they want to, but the fact is we've gone up against the teams that they put in front of us on the field and we've beaten them all. And there's nothing anybody can do to take that away from us. Nope, not at all. Can't take the W's. They happen, no matter how pretty or ugly the du- <clears throat> the W's are on the on the schedule on the standings. Another guy re- we really talked about him a little bit in the past few weeks, but once again Devontae Freeman, man, Trent, that's your guy from Florida State. You're a Florida State fan. And the Redskins had Chris Thompson on the other on the other side. He's a Florida State guy, but yeah, Freeman State. has has really been not just in the running game, but as a receiver, he has seven catches, and he was just he made some great catches that you expect a wide receiver or a guy who's usually split out wide to make. I know one of those plays he was split out wide. Was it the touchdown they called back that he was split yeah, out wide? Yeah, the Des Bryant, Calvin Johnson rule. Like that yeah, was still yeah. I I still. See, I still consider that a catch. I don't know what – like, that rule is terrible. You know, there's no way you can't tell me that's a, um, that wasn't a catch. But that's an amazing catch by a running back. I mean, I don't know too many wide receivers that are going to catch that uh, catch that pass. Yeah, he's just a, a great weapon. I, I don't know what it means going forward. I know Coleman played. Does anybody know, was he still hurt a little bit or only had two carries? Was he still kind of banged up? He definitely looked 
banged up, but at the same time, it's like you have like Devontae Freeman played out of his mind on um, Sunday, and actually he was the only bright spot of the game. So it's like I understand you want to give Tev- Tevin Coleman his uh, snaps, but it's like okay, is that at the expense of uh, Devontae Freeman? Because honestly, that w- we were all Devontae Freeman on Sunday. So I do understand. Like if he wasn't injured, then I do understand him not. You know what I'm saying? Not playing also. Yeah. So speaking of injuries, I'm I just pulled up the uh, official injury report. Of course, Julio definitely didn't look 100% this past week. Uh, he hasn't practiced this week. Mike Person looks like he'll be out. James Stone will start in his place. Uh, who's also who's a natural center? He filled in late last year, and as an undrafted free agent, undrafted rookie free agent, he he filled in pretty good. So we'll have that and. Short week, so I don't know if Justin Durant will be back. Says Freeman lim- was limited, and also Hankerson. How do you all think these injuries? Well, definitely Julio was was big. What do you all think Julio would be like uh, if he's out or even not 100%? What will that do for our offense? Can Roddy step it back up? Hank, Nick Williams, maybe Justin Hardy may see his first action. What do you all see the offense looking like if Julio can't go on Thursday? I mean, if you take Julio out of the offense, you def- you change the entire equation. Uh, I was reading some quotes on this upcoming game, Devontae Freeman just talking a lot about how teams are playing them. If you're putting two on the top or you're doubling Julio, that opens up running lanes for him. So you take a Julio out of this team's equation. Uh, you got teams who would probably try to stack the box. You know, uh, we all love Roddy, but Roddy's not going to get that se- same separation um, that a Julio would get, so you could play him straight up. You could play a Hankerson and Nick Williams straight up. Um, it would definitely change the entire flow of how the, the team's offense goes. And I think even with the injury, um, Pro Football Focus had us what the number one rated offensive line a couple weeks ago. So um, the guys have been playing well. To not have um, Chester in there for however long he's out, whether it's a high ankle sprain or just a random you know roll of the ankle, I think that's going to impact some of the things we like to do too. So um, the injuries definitely are starting to pile up. Fortunately, we get 10 days off after this game on Thursday. But um, it sounds like uh, Julio's going to be able to go. But, I mean, he's been banged up, really, they, they're saying, since, what, week one against the Eagles. So it'll be interesting to see how we, who else we can get out there if he is unable to go. Yeah, I know I actually posed this question about the injuries and who would fill in. But I just remember Jacob Tammy had a pretty solid game. Trent mentioned him last week or week before last um, his performance and Jacob Tammy was a big weapon. He had eight catches in 94 yards. So I guess we can't forget about him being an offensive option if Julio isn't going to be available. He's also just an option in general. Yeah, honestly, I feel like like I've seen like Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan. They both said that they expect Julio to play, but honestly, I don't want him to play just because I want to see this offense how you know say how our offense rolls without Julio because like we all. Everyone knows that our schedule is it's pretty weak, so we should feel uh, we should finish the year with a um a good record and you know what I'm saying a good standing in the playoffs. But I like when it comes to playoffs, I expect those better teams to be able to take somebody like Julio away from us. So then that you know what I'm saying it it's going to be um pertinent on how our offense rolls without him. So I just wanted like this like Thursday. I don't want to see Julio play honestly. I want to see one of him. I want him to be able to chill and relax and, you know, say, wait those 10 days. We have a long extended break after this game. And I just want to see, um, like I said, I like Jacob Tammy. I like the, like he's a he was sure handed and he's, he's had that, um, he's had that persona with just being Peyton Manning's security blanket. And I think 
Matt Ryan is is really adapting to this uh, Jacob Tammy life, and we all know how he's no Tony Gonzalez, but for a quarterback to have a security blanket, that you know, it it takes a lot off of quarter off the quarterback, and I feel like Jacob Tammy is becoming that security blanket for uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah, I gotta I gotta agree that uh, Tammy, aka White Crumpler. Is gonna gonna be a, a big key um, out there. Tight end eighty three over there is gonna be a, a big key. Um, in relation to what you said, Chen, about Julio being out, um, you know, God forbid his injuries get more serious and he's like physically forced to miss games. Um, you know, that's something that you know we might have to prepare for. But just having him on the field, even if he's not a hundred percent, that changes everything. Um, when, when in regards to the way defenses game plan against us and the way that we're able to attack them, um, you got to think if the things continue the way they are now, um, and Julio's not in the game, and Devontae Freeman keeps going off like this, then we're going to have to face stacked boxes and things like that. As long as Julio's on the field, even if he's barely standing up, a defense is not going to stack the box because they know it's Julio Jones. Like you're just not going to sell out and commit to the run like that. So even if he's on the field just as a decoy, um, for the most part, that still is a benefit to our squad just in the running game, in the uh, passing game, the way it opens up, as well as the fact that if Julio can stand up on a football field, he's winning a a one-on-one matchup. Like, that's what it comes down to. Uh, The one thing, unfortunately, I have seen with Julio is sometimes when he's hurt, his hands suffer. Um, His hands have been, you know, golden throughout most of his career, except for when he's been hurt. When he has a little, you know, flare-up or something like that, that's the only time I've seen his hands get uh, questionable and he'll start dropping some easy passes. So that's something to watch out for. But um, as far as the the game goes, as long as he's able to um, get on the field, then our offense is going to benefit just from his presence. And then on uh, on defense, I mean, Durant Durant's um, a guy that we definitely want in there, but Bartu and Stupar uh, did a good job filling in his absence. As a matter of fact, Stupar is the one who got the pressure in Cousins' face to force him to throw the interception in overtime. Um, so, you know, even with that injury, our defense should be good to go, but our offense will definitely be rolling as long as Julio's on the field. Yeah, I just think it's more important that we have Julio for the um, later on in the season rather than right now. So if he can rest up as like as much as he can right now, that's more important than to have this this recurring. Like of course, this is hamstring, so this can be a recurring injury. Like you know, what I'm saying? this can it, it, this can last all season. So as much as we can like rest him, I feel like we should, so we can have him late December, late I mean late December, early January. Yeah, that that's I think my that's thing about amazing. it though. You can't you can't like like I think if you try to the right now we're in the run we're in a race with the Panthers pretty much. I mean they're not losing anytime soon. Right now we're not losing. I would hate for us to get in the kind of mindset where we kind of think so far down the road and we still have business to attend to as far as we still got to win the games in front of us. And if Julio is good to go, I want him on the field because that gives us a distinct advantage against whoever we play against. I'd hate to sit him knowing that he could play and could help and contribute when we, I mean, when we came to this season, we knew that this, we didn't really think this team was capable of this. So these guys are playing, in my opinion, playing over their heads. I would hate for us to sit back and say, you know what, let's try to, let's just rest them. Um, we know nobody's going to be hundred percent at this point, you know, in the season, 
but let's just rest Julio for a couple weeks. We lose a game here. We lose a game there. Now, all of a sudden, we've lost our advantage in the standings, and a team that could potentially have home field now has to go on the road because we decided to say Julio if he's healthy. So my personal opinion, I'd love for him to just stay out there, keep going. If he can't go, then sit him. But if he's physically able to do it, I want him on the field. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't expect most NFL players to say, oh, I can't, especially somebody competitive as Julio. I mean, you got to remember when he broke his, when he broke his foot against the Patriots, he played that entire game. We woke up the next morning finding out that he broke his foot. He played with a broken foot. So do you, do you expect that guy to say, oh, no, I mean, I can't go this week if I'm, if he's just having hamstring injuries? No, I don't expect that. But I like, so you have to have somebody to say no instead of just leaving it up to Julio. I mean, that's you're, you're absolutely right. And if this was next week, I might be more on your side. But right now, uh, we're going up against uh, a division opponent. Never mind the, the morbid stain I have in my soul. <laughs> we're going up against a divisional opponent. The Panthers have already beaten um, the Aints and the Buccaneers so far. So they're already 2-0 in the division. Um, we would like to believe that we could win this game without Julio, but it's a division game. No matter how sorry they are this year and how good we look, it's still a division game. And the division games are most important. If the Panthers are, are neck and neck with us going down to the wire, we if we are able to keep our division record, that's going to be the tiebreaker. So if we're able to, you know, get besides wins over them, of course, that division is going to be the tiebreaker. So when it comes to this game, it's like, okay, we got – 10 days to go into the Tennessee game. If Julio needs to rest, rest in the Tennessee game against an AFC opponent who's arguably worse than the uh, Saints, who we've already beaten, even though it was preseason, we've already played before. Rest him in that game and give him an additional, you know, 17 days off or, or something like that, um, as opposed to this game. But this game, we can't afford to rest him. Like I said, if even if he just stands on the field half the time, That'll benefit for, for Freeman, that'll benefit for Tammy, that'll benefit for Roddy, that'll benefit for Hankerson. Everybody will benefit just from his presence. Um, so like, like A.V. said, we can't, we can't count all our chickens before they hatch. We still got to win the games that are in front of us, and uh, Julio gives us the best option to win this game that we got coming up on Thursday. All right, so there, so there you have it. Uh, just the injury talk, and Julio is definitely a key piece. We definitely would like to see him on the field, but – don't want that to be to to risk your whole season based on one game. So you know we got to keep it keep it going and see how that goes. We're gonna switch it over to the around the NFC South and I'll tell everybody what happened this past weekend. Uh, the Panthers, as we talked about last week, are on by. They do have Luke Keekley coming back next week, so that'll be a good good addition for this uh, for the Seahawks game. Uh, we had Tampa Bay playing Jacksonville. They won 38-31, to which was Lovey Smith's first win, uh, home win, actually, as a head coach of the Bucks. So, Goodness. they yeah, they he was 0-9, I believe, before that, or 0-10. So, got his first W. James Winston had a solid game. Uh, then you had, who else is in our division? Oh, the Saints. You know that team. <laughs> and I'm going to save that a little bit. They took an L, 39-17, but we're going to really talk about that in our next, uh, in our Behind Enemy Lines episode. So if you're listening to this episode in your feed or wherever you're listening, 
it'll be a behind enemy lines episode right with it about 25 30 minutes long so that's that of course uh we're still 5 and 0 undefeated no wins in the division yet but that'll change after Thursday so that's what we had in, around the NFC South. Now Trent will tell us the three fantasy sleepers before we uh, end up. Oh, of course, of course. Another week of fantasy football. Um, now this guy isn't a sleeper. If you have him on your team, of course you're starting Devontae Freeman. He's probably the best fantasy football player, like the best fantasy football player in the, um, this season. I think in the last three games he's averaging 38 fantasy points. But um, I'll provide y'all with this week's sleeper. Matt Ryan, I mean, he's, he just came off a dismal performance. It was probably his worst showing in the era of fantasy football. He, fin he was actually on my team, and he's the reason I, I lost my fantasy uh, matchup this week. Damn. He finished with nine points. However, I expect him to get back on track because the Saints, they have one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, another sleeper that you may be able to find on your waiver wire is the uh, – the Falcons' defense. I spoke on this. Uh, I spoke on our defense earlier, and statistically, our defense is is average. But our defense actually has been is, has been uh, pretty good in the fantasy football realm. Coming off a uh, back-to-back double-digit performances with uh, two defensive touchdowns. So this uh, this Falcons' defense is a is a real is a pretty good pickup in fantasy football. However, I will say this is. Um, we're probably facing the best quarterback we've seen this uh, this season in Drew Brees, so there'll be another challenge for our um, our defense. And lastly, another Falcons uh, player that you might be able to find on the waiver wire is Jacob Tammy. Tammy he received the most targets in last week's game, and he finished with uh, eight receptions, right under 100 yards. With Julio hobbling around the field, you might want to. Um, I expect Matt Ryan to to find Tammy a lot. I feel like that's becoming his new security blanket. And like Katie said, that's, that's Algie Crump right there. That's white Algie Crump. So that's all the um, the sleepers I have for you. And those picks right there, they, they should get you a win. They should contribute to a win this week. Well, uh, as you were talking, I searched one of my waiver wires for Jacob Tammy since I have Jason Witten on bye week, but Unfortunately, he was already taken, so I gotta, yeah, I gotta, gotta go it. through and and see. I'm trying to. Uh, hey, on FanDuel, I'm trying to get you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I might need to uh, send you a one-on-one -on -one matchup in FanDuel. That's the only way I can win money. Is probably playing head to head. <laughs> but uh, so that was Trent with uh, three fantasy football sleepers. That's for those who play fantasy football. But that was that, and we're gonna actually switch over to our next behind the enemy lines episode. So if you're listening to this. Thank you for listening, and check your feed because that will be the other episode right with, right with this one. So remember, subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at BirdBrush, B-I-R-D-B-R-E-H-S. And also send some questions to our email, birdbrush at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and uh, go Falcons. A to the T, L to the L.